it's a work in progress. Lorraine is breaking it down today on our episode of Honest Math Chat, number 16. A real-life student-centered teacher, Lorraine Padilla of Apple Blossom Teachers. She's sharing her mindset and her gems of knowledge of what she's learned along the way as she has become a more student-centered teacher. This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, We're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. We have my friend Lorraine from Apple Blossom Teachers, and I'm so excited for her to share about her student-centered math class with us today. So hey, Lorraine. Hello. How's it going? I'm so good. Lorraine's um, in California and I'm in Chicago. So on our Zoom meeting right now, she's in a tank top and I'm in my big sweater over it here. Is nine- <laughs> All right, Lorraine, we'll tell everybody um, that is listening to the Honest Math Chat about you. So first of all, I am so excited to be on here. I'm sure you guys have been listening already to the episodes before me and I have already learned so much from Mona. I appreciate Appreciate everything that you've been sharing. A little bit about me is I am currently teaching third grade in Southern California, but this is my first year in third grade. Uh, this is my 10th year of teaching. I've been mostly in fifth and sixth grade, and I started my career as a science teacher, but I love teaching math. I love teaching reading. I love all of the subjects. So getting to move into the gen ed classroom was definitely extra fun for me. Um, and then I also love supporting new teachers. So that's a big passion of mine, hence the name Apple Blossom teachers. I love supporting teachers who are passionate about continually blooming into their career and continuing to learn. You know, there's always more that we can learn. There's always some way in which we can grow as educators. And, you know, those are truly the the teachers that you see really making an impact on the students are the ones who are always looking for more ways to grow and, you know, just strengthen that student learning and that student excitement around learning. So that's my passion. I love sharing that. And yeah, I'm happy to chat about math today. Yay. Um, so Lorraine also has a podcast. And so if you're an early career teacher, she's definitely someone to look to for all of your advice um, on just all the new teacher things. <laughs> so I love it so much. Um, okay. So you've been on this journey of creating a student-centered math classroom for a while, like 10 years in. Yep. Um, so can you like, tell us kind of specifically what you did to get there in math. Yes. So, and I know you have shared this on the podcast too, that you were 
someone who wasn't as thrilled to teach math in the early stages of your career. And I felt the same. I was obviously super confident with science. Um, I loved teaching reading and, and ELA and math was just something I personally never felt confident in. So it was always kind of the last thing I would leave for planning. And I would just kind of go through the motions of the TE and try to make sure I felt confident enough, first of all, to teach it. Um, and so you know, the more that I've learned and grown as an educator, I've really tried to reflect the practices that I've seen work in other subject areas into my math class. And so thinking about, you know, ways that I can avoid being the one talking all the time in math. That's a huge, huge thing because it's so easy, especially in math. There are so many curriculum, you know, TEs that are designed in a way for you to kind of go through the instruction as a teacher. And, you know, there are plenty of things that need that direct instruction, but there are plenty of opportunities where it's going to be better spent having our kids really be the mathematicians there. And it's, you know, they're going to get such a bigger takeaway from that rather than just sitting and zoning out while I'm spitting off strategies at them. So just trying to kind of find more ways that I can get them engaged. And it's definitely still a work in progress, especially now that I moved to primary, um, it was something I was starting to feel really confident with with fifth grade. And then now just trying to find that balance of still providing enough support for my third graders and keeping in mind, you know, their age and their experiences, especially their experiences these last couple of years with virtual learning and things. It's just a little bit of an adjustment in there, but we are off to a really good start. And it's been, you know, again, it's always a work in progress, but always with that end goal in mind of getting the students to be the ones who are feeling like the mathematicians and who are really working through those problems and having the discussions together. Yes, I totally love that. Like less teacher voice, more student voice. And I've been in a similar situation of trying to take my teacher, like guide my curriculum and infuse more teacher talk into it because it's so hard sometimes when it's the script is there. And so I'm sorry, not more teacher talk. No, less teacher talk, more student talk. <laughs> I knew where you were going. My brain is with you. <laughs> um, but you said something um, about taking practices that work in other subjects and infusing them into math. And I feel like that is such a pro move that we don't think about doing. And so can you talk about some things that maybe from literacy or science that you do that work in math? Yes. So the biggest one that has made, it's been a big game changer in adding more student involvement into math is just adding in rotations. And that was something for science lab, obviously I was doing a lot of hands-on and a lot of like station type work. And then same thing in ELA, it was very, it seemed very natural to have guided reading groups and, and, you know, find centers for the other students to be working on. And then it was a big shift to try to pull that into math, but it also has made a really big difference with being able to differentiate what I'm teaching. And so I still keep a balance of um, whole class time because it is important for all of my students to hear one another's voices versus just in a small group. But then it's also nice to kind of have that balance of time where, you know, they're working with students who are kind of on the same pace with them and I'm there to scaffold if needed or, you know, kind of drive the conversation to go a little deeper for my students who are ready for that and, you know, kind of probe them at different levels. So that's been really helpful is to take that like centers mindset and move that into math. It just kind of gives us some different opportunities for how to approach the content. And then, yeah, just trying to add in more interaction, more all of those, 
you know, like accountable talk pieces, everything that we are used to doing in language arts or social studies or any of those other subjects, making sure that students are actively engaged in the math and, you know, really looking at it from their perspective, not so much from my perspective. I love that. Like looking at it from their perspective, not your perspective. <laughs> love that. Um, okay. So you just, you're a pro at supporting new teachers. Oh. So <laughs> what, um, well, I think it's great too. Cause the way you support new teachers is just from this really honest perspective of like, Hey, I'm in this with you. And these are the things that work for me. So try this. And I, I just love that. Thanks. Um, yeah. So how do you think, like, what should teachers do if they're on this journey, like you of like, you know what, I'm, I want to make my classroom more student centered, like any, I like anything you think they should try. <laughs> so this year, I feel like I'm getting a, a little bit of the taste of going back to new teacher life because I'm learning, you know, a new grade level, new curriculum. It's a different curriculum than my old district used. And so kind of going through those motions, but also with that lens of 10 years worth of teaching and, you know, all the experience that comes with that. So it is a matter of kind of finding that balance. And I know your first couple of years, it definitely is a lot of survival mode and just choosing, you know, you can't do it all. That's, I think the biggest takeaway is we see these great ideas out there and we see this like vision of the teacher we want to become. And we kind of have to take a step back a little bit and focus on a small step at a time. And so rather than trying to jump in and do like an entire revamp of your math block and also figure out your ELA block and your social studies and your, your science and all of the things, take a step back and say, okay, what is one area that I can try first? So I know you shared a lot about like problem of the day or uh, which one doesn't belong or little things like that, that can add in student discourse. So maybe that's, you know, something a teacher wants to target is, okay, I'm hearing my voice way too often in math class. I want to set up at least, you know, a little chunk of time at the beginning of the block where I know I'm not going to be the one talking at all. My students are going to be the ones talking and find your resources for that um, and start to look through your problems in your curriculum and see which ones, you know, offer a little bit more of a flexible way of thinking about it. I know there are, you know, some problems in the practice books are a little bit more, how would you say it, Mona? Like, um, one right answer or one right way. <laughs> yeah. I, I love so the, not math. <laughs> I love the questions that are like, draw a bar graph or bar model to solve this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Use, Use this line model. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't love those. That was sarcasm. But I think <laughs> even with those, you can so easily just take that wording out. And as long mm -hmm. as that problem is still relevant and rigorous, just take out the prescriptiveness in it yeah. and it can work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So I think it's just, you know, like you said, a matter of finding those little pockets of small steps that you can make into shifting your math class to be a little bit more student centered. And over time, you know, even over a few months, you'll start to see that shift. You'll start to feel more confident in your own teaching abilities and like that style of teaching. Your students will start to feel more confident um, and it'll make it easier to kind of keep shifting step by step. It, it's just, you know, like I said, you can't do it all at once. Take your time, but you will get there. You will get there. <laughs> I love that. Like small steps and you're right. Like the math, a math warm up or one problem per day, just those 15 minute blocks can make all the difference. And you said like increasing your students' confidence and your confidence in learning to teach this way. What do you mean when you say learning to teach this way? How is it different? 
oh, just, you know, sometimes it's hard to let go, especially if you had a specific vision of how you wanted the conversation to go during math class that day, or, you know, you had a strategy that you were aiming to get them to, like, we kind of need to put our hands up and, and let them guide that. And sometimes, I mean, they will blow you away with some of the strategies that they share. Some of the things that my students have come up with, like, oh, I did not even think of approaching it that way. And those are really great opportunities that had I been just giving them a strategy or requiring them to use a particular strategy, you know, she wouldn't have shared the different way that she got this time model solved or whatever it was, you know, I think we were doing clocks and it was elapsed time. And she had like a really unique way of getting to the elapsed time. And then it kind of sparked some other ideas too. So you just kind of have to be open to letting it go with the flow a little bit and know, and I think this is a big key too, know how to still manage your time as a teacher so that your lesson isn't going on and on and on. Cause that's an easy thing to let happen too. So kind of knowing how to pace these strategies. I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on that on your end, Mona, of like when that conversation's going really well, obviously we don't want to stop them, but then also, you know, keeping their focus and not letting it go too far off track. So I don't know, where are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm totally, I'm totally taking notes. Cause I feel like we could do a whole, we could do a whole season of podcast episodes <laughs> on that, but, um, I agree like this style of teaching, right. Student centered, it takes you off the spot. A little pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. It takes in, there. Exactly. And, and really when I made the shift, I start, I committed to being a better listener so that I could be better at asking questions. And that's something that I feel like I can be on a journey of growing in for the rest of my life. Cause yes. like we can always be better listeners. We can always be better at questioning. And that's exciting as a teacher. Like that is something I want to work on getting better at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with that. Like you have to let go and let kids lead in the sense that like, they're just sharing what they understand and we got to follow what they understand and push them little by little, because if we enter in and like drop something on them, they may not understand it. And then they're right. just going through the motions of repeating back to us what we told them. And it's not going to stick that way. It's, you know, it's not going to stick past today, tomorrow or next week. So yeah. I guess kind of final pitch for student-centered math, like what effects on your students have you seen? I think the two biggest things are the engagement during the lesson itself. And then they're like, true appreciation of math beyond our math block. And so we do a lot of, you know, when we're setting up our math block at the beginning of the year, a lot of what do mathematicians do? What does math look like? What does math sound like? Where do you see math in the real world? All of those kind of pieces. And we always circle back to that. So even last week I had um, my brother-in-law came and did a zoom about civil engineering. And we were talking about, it was a social studies related presentation but we tied in the math afterwards and they were talking about, you know, what kind of math would you need to use to design a bridge like that or, you know, different things. So just always pulling in those real world connections um, and having them, I think that's the biggest key, right? Having them make those connections. Cause I could tell them all day long, you're going to use this math here. You're going to use this math here, but that's just my air. But when they're talking to each other about places that they've seen around town that have windows that look like a really cool array or that have, you know, in sports, they saw something that related and just giving them those opportunities to make connections to math beyond our classroom. 
has been a big shift. And then again, just the engagement during math class when you know how easy it is to zone out when someone's talking at you forever, right? We've all been in those kind of PDs. Same thing in class. And if they're the ones who are actually getting to have that active dialogue and shift gears multiple times throughout the math lesson, it just really has changed the game for their engagement. I love that. Yeah. Whoever's doing the talking's doing the learning, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's the teacher, then you're just teaching yourself. <laughs> um, when I've coached teachers before, I've said that. And I feel like the look on people's faces when you're like, when you're talking, you're teaching yourself is like, oh shoot, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, I love Spoiler that. alert. You already know this. Yeah. They're the ones who need to learn it. <laughs> Let them talk about yep. it. Exactly. Oh yeah. I totally agree with all of that. Um, tell everybody where they can connect with you. So I, uh, it has been a busy start to the year. I will say I've been a little quieter this year, but I'm getting back in the game. Um, definitely Instagram is a place, you know, feel free to DM me over at apple blossom teachers on Instagram, or you can head over to appleblossomteachers.com And that's kind of where you'll find the new happenings there. I've also got some, you know, supports for new teachers on there. Um, and then of course, over on the apple blossom teachers podcast, where like Mona said, I'm sharing just different ideas and ways to support you as you grow into your teaching career, whether you are new or whether you're just someone who like us loves learning and growing as an educator and finding new ways that we can do things. So I would love to get to know you. Send me a message again over on Apple Blossom Teachers on Instagram. Let me know what you thought of this interview. (laughs) Yeah. Also, Lorraine and I are both in new positions this year. So we've been talking a lot about how we feel like new teachers, even though we're tens of years into our teaching career. (laughs) Um, just when you shift positions, it's sometimes so overwhelming. So having somebody to not commiserate with, but support you alongside. Yeah, be that like <laughs> shoulder buddy of like, okay, how are you feeling? How are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And we both have small children. <laughs> so, you, you know, know, we, uh, I was telling Mona, I had way too much coffee this morning. So. <laughs> the struggle is real. And if coffee is what gets you through. That's all you, that's, you got to get what you got to, what you need. Right. (laughs) Um, it was so great chatting with you, Lorraine. I hope everybody listens to your podcast and connects with you on Instagram. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. What great ideas Lorraine shared in this episode. I hope you loved hearing our conversation. Some of the things that she talked about with how her students are just really embodying being mathematicians through finding math in the real world because they're so engaged in class. I loved that story. Um, I really love and appreciate just how real and down to earth Lorraine is. She's always keeping it real about her struggle and sharing that with her you know, internet friends. So go find her and learn from her. And in this episode, we talk so much about centering our students' math voices, giving them the floor to talk through their math thinking. And if you're in that work right now with your students, if you are having them, you know, discuss their math thinking, you need the guide to engaging math discussions. It's going to help you either get started if you haven't started or help you really take your math discussions to the next level. Go grab that free guide at monamath.com slash discussions. I can't wait to hear how your math discussions are going. Be sure to tune into the 
podcast next week as we're continuing our math discussions series. And you are going to get even more goodness about how to lead those engaging math discussions on next week's episode. So I will talk to you then. Have a great day. Bye-bye.